waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. SpongeBob, what are we waiting for? It has been four days since the Carolina Hurricanes played a hockey game. And you know what? For hockey fans, especially in the playoffs, it feels like it's been a thousand years. And, unfortunately, we're still at least a couple or a few days away from seeing them start the Eastern Conference Finals here in Raleigh. Ultimately, there's nothing any of us can do about it. We're just playing the waiting game. But luckily, I was able to create content. Look, I made you some content. Daddy made you your favorite open wide. Here comes the content. It's a beautiful day to stay inside. I hope you guys realize that if uh, I ever get picked up by, like, an actual company... Oh my god, I'm going to have to stop abusing copyright laws. But either way, Walt Ruff stops by. We talk about a lot of great things, including is Jacob Slavin underrated, who is the way-too-early pick for the Hurricanes' Con Smythe candidate. We talk about the power play. We talk about what it means for Rod Brindamore to be facing off against his former mentor and Paul Maurice. We talk about the Stahl brothers coming to Raleigh. We talk about basically everything under the sun including, but not limited to, how you can avoid things you just don't want to see on social media. That literally comes up. We talk about if the Carolina Hurricanes facing off against the Florida Panthers is actually bad for the league or not. It's a lot of great stuff, and I'm not going to hold you guys here too long. But I will say that this episode is not the full conversation I had with Walter Ruff. I edited it to make it sound better, and I edited it for time, honestly. So if you want to hear my full conversation with Walter Ruff, I have, a, I have a Patreon. Ah! It's only $2 or $5. You know, it's literally just if you have extra money around, it would be highly appreciated. And, uh, yeah, that would be cool. Link down below. Really cheap. You're supporting independent Carolina Hurricanes coverage. It would be a good time. But without further ado, roll the thing. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. So today's special guest, Walt Ruff, content producer extraordinaire, uh, and he has graciously given me 30 minutes of his time to waste. I don't understand why anyone in the organization does it, but they continue to do it, and I'm going to keep allowing them to. How are you doing today, Walt? I'm good, Colin. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's an exciting time of year, and I'm glad we get to do this. I've always wondered, uh, it must be bittersweet for people that actually work for the organization. When they keep advancing, you're like, ah, I just want to go on vacation. I just want to go on vacation. It's a bit of an interesting situation. So I know you said we're going to turn this around pretty quickly. I've actually got a huge dilemma, and I'm, I guess, borderline breaking some news here for you so you get some input that nobody else knows. Um, but 
it's exciting, but not exciting. My sister's getting married this weekend. So that was always like my massive off season plans. And so obviously we don't have a schedule yet, but presuming we play Friday or Saturday, um, I will not be able to cover the games. So that's part of the blessing and the curse of the team still playing and being this good and having obligations to attend to. So yeah, it definitely is. Uh, it's bittersweet, but you know what? I think, uh, I think we all are okay with making the sacrifice. Breaking news of the day. Uh, Kevin Hurricanes held practice at 11 a.m. today, and Taylor Vining came out on the ice in a regular contact jersey. And as we all do, we freaked out because there was a possibility of his return. And because this is what the media is supposed to do, the instant question to Rod was, hey, what's going to happen with Tobo? And this is mainly what he had to say. You know, that injury, you, you probably feel good, but you got to be able to shoot. You know, at, at, you know I know he's not going to be 100%, like close to it. So we got another day or here too. I don't know how many. We, we're still waiting to find out, but it sounds like a couple of days. So um, I think he, he needs the time, so that, that'll help. He's good to go. It's just whether or not... I mean, he's healthy enough. It's just whether or not he can play. I mean, I, I just went through it. I'm not going to throw him in if he can't shoot. So what do you know that I didn't get to hear from Rod's press availability today? Anything extra? Maybe Torah Vine like, no, I'm definitely going. Don't listen to Rod. Anything like that? Um, well, I can tell you some of what Tara Vinen said. And I, whether I should or shouldn't have been, I was pretty surprised to hear him say, I'm ready to go. I'm good to go. He said, if Rod puts me in there, I'm... I'm ready to play, um, which is I, the element of surprise comes because it's 25 days following his surgery. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi is the example that a lot of people have been referencing this season. He broke his hand um, in October and he missed exactly 30 days. And that was on the shorter side of things for regular season, right? And a lot of times four to eight weeks is the window a lot of people will look at for an injury like this. So for him to be back out there and in a contact sweater 25 days, pretty miraculous, um, I do have to say. So again, I, what I'll also add is I think this is going to drag on until the day of game one. I don't think Rod will come out tomorrow and say, yep, Tara Biden's good to go game one. I think it's going to be a we'll see, we'll see, we'll see until probably all the way to warm-ups of game one. And even then, maybe we'll have an extra skater out there. Who knows? But um, it's, uh, it's all steps in the right direction, right? The way Rod has been playing it with the starting netminder, I can totally believe it's going to be puck drop. And that's when Rod's going to be like, okay, I know what we're doing here. Uh, speaking of those injuries, uh, the major storyline of the playoffs, and then it's going to keep growing the more games the Hurricanes win, is that they were missing an entire top line of offensive talent. And they've still made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. What does it say about the men that are still in the room taking shifts every game? They were still able to make it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals without more key players in the lineup. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? I think it goes to show the collective belief in the room, right? Um, everyone knows it's not, you can't really, the way some teams can look around and say, that guy can go get us a goal right now. I think the way that the Canes locker room is looking at it is, Everyone's got a tiny little piece on their own shoulder and saying, hey, this might be my turn to go get one for us, or this might be my turn to go make a play for us. And that's what Rod has instilled in them all this time. Um, I was talking to Stefan Nason about it this morning, and he goes, 
it's an interesting situation because you're so happy to be where you're at, but yet you're also still wondering where we would be if we had those pieces, you know? So it really is an interesting complex, but above all, you have to give credit to the guys that are in the lineup and the ones that are making this happen because, you know, shoot, this time last month, if somebody would have told you Mackenzie McEachern would be playing a valuable role in the playoffs, you'd be like, what? That guy didn't play a game for us all season. And um, Derek Stepan, Paul Stassi, those are guys who have been the healthy extra at times this year, and now they're counted on being in there every single game. So, um, you know, all the way back to last summer, we were talking about depth, and here it is, paying dividends. Speaking of uh, collectively, the, the goaltenders as well, a lot of people said there would be a rotation carried into the postseason for Carolina because that's mainly what they did in the regular season. Rod did not go that way at all. He rode Ronta until Anderson was ready, and now he's rode and ridden Anderson the rest of the way. Is it surprising to you as someone who covers them day to day, or is it basically this is always what's going to happen because a lot of playoff games are decided on momentum and that has a lot to do with the starting that minor. I do believe we would have seen a rotation out of the bat if Anderson had been good to go in round one. Um, he was dealing with the illness for a game and then that turned into an upper body injury. So I really do believe we would have seen the potential flip-flopping back and forth. But of course, hey, you take the performances you get from Auntie Ranta. Fortunately, he's such a, you know, a good and upbeat guy that he has this, you know, happy-go-lucky mentality at all times because I find myself thinking, what a spot for him to be in. He was so good in round one, and they kind of went to Anderson to give him a break, and then Anderson balls out, and he hasn't looked back. So what is Auntie Ranta thinking right now? Um, again, thankfully, he has the demeanor that he does where it's certainly not detrimental by any means if he could... You know, if he gets the green light for game one, why not have belief in him too? Uh, now I will say I do think they'll stick with Frederick Anderson. I could be wrong there, but he's given no reason to take him out of the net. So uh, either way, Kings are in a good good spot to be, but I, I don't know anybody could have predicted it shaking out the way that it has. And Rada isn't going to tell us until 20 minutes before game one who's starting. There's no way. No shot. He's probably so relieved over this Tara Vinan news because he can, he doesn't, nobody even asked him today about goaltending. He's thinking he's off the hook. So I'm going to use Elliot Friedman, a short clip from the 32 Thoughts podcast, so I don't get dunked on for asking you a stupid question. But if Carolina wins the Stanley Cup, Brent Burns is going to win the Consmite Trophy. Over Sebastian Ajo? Yes. That would be the race for me. I love Ajo. He's a great player, but Burns is their guy. So clearly it is stupid, ridiculously early. There was nothing guaranteed. We're not going to pit the cart before the horse. None of the, you know, nonsense, don't do this stuff. But I feel like if Elliot Friedman can talk about it, we can talk about it. The playoffs ended yesterday. Hurricanes or imaginary Stanley Cup champions, who is your con Smythe selection from Carolina? Well, I think we have to take a couple things into consideration here, right? We're only halfway there right now. And I think, you know, there are guys who have done really well thus far through two rounds. But then you look at the guys who will need to do well over the next two rounds for Carolina in order for them to be success. Of course, you know, no knock on the potential of Brent Burns being that guy. In fact, 
I have him as one of my players to watch for this upcoming series. He had four points in three games against Florida during the regular season. You know, he's got some goals stemming in recent games now here, so he could be a big factor in this round three Eastern Conference final. Um, how do you not say Jordan Martinuk? Ten points in round two, and as long as Joe Pavelski gets held off the score sheet tonight, it's going to be 1A, 1B, Connor McDavid, Jordan Martinuk for the two leading scorers in round two. So I think this is still a wide open race because, again, the goaltenders are going to play a huge factor. So uh, am I dancing around this to not give you one answer? Yeah. Yes. Do I think I'm doing an okay job at it so far? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good. I think that the Jordan Martinuk argument's made a lot stronger when you realize that Connor McDavid no longer in the playoffs. I'm just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Marnuk being absolutely ruthless in the second round, Carolina's power play during the regular season was iffy at times. They just, no matter what they could do at times, they couldn't put the biscuit in the basket. Yet in the postseason, it's looked really good the wide majority of the time. It passed my eye test. When I went to go check the stats, I expected it to be above 20, probably near like 24, 25. It's actually a little bit lower than it was in the regular season. So are my eyes failing me? Or is there just no puck luck for Carolina on the man advantage uh, so far in the playoffs? The phrase that keeps coming to mind for me is when they were going through the big drought entering the postseason, we heard, it was all on the same day, we heard Rod and a couple of players use the phrase, trust your sets. And that's difficult when you have that extra man on the ice. You think you get a lane or you get a shot. You're going to take it, right? And a lot of times we see guys, you know, not to single them out by any means, just the first ones that come to mind. Brent Burns, Martin Natchez, guys who are out there and, you know, who want to shoot the puck. And it's a great thing to want to shoot the puck. But they're so systematic when you look at some of the power play goals that have gone in for them. I think of, you know, a game early in the season, it was like a backdoor slam dunk for Stefan Nason. Those are great in theory if you can execute, but it's getting to that point. Like you're, a lot of times it looks like the puck's just getting passed around the perimeter. It looks like you're going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, two seconds later, it's in the back of the net. So, no, I don't think your eyes are deceiving you because I do think it is just that slightest difference that really makes the difference or, you know, is what separates a power play from looking like, oh, my goodness, what are we doing here to? Oh, yeah, that was sweet. And so that's where I think things are right now with the group. Um, Something to keep an eye on is that Boston went 11 for 27 in round one against Florida. So I think special teams are going to be a massive factor in this series. It was, to be frank, quite a bit of a surprise that they weren't as much of a factor in the New Jersey series. But that's the double-edged sword, isn't it, right? In one series, it's not an issue. It's going to be make or break here in the next one. So definitely something to keep an eye on. By no means am I suggesting that Carolina has the same power play as Boston. But if you can, you they have that film now, right? They have the ability to see what went correctly for Boston, and maybe they take one or two things away from that. And I'm not going to make you comment on the national broadcast bias or not, but a lot of fans think there is a bias in the national media. I honestly think our opinions would be the same on this, that there really isn't. But even if you think that, over the first two rounds, you would have to admit that Almost every broadcast has mentioned how incredible Jacob Slavin is defensively. They, none of them mention his offense, which he does slightly have. Nowhere compared to his defensive ability, but he does. He can score if he wants to. Is Jacob Slavin still 
underrated. I think so. And I think as much as I hate to say it, I think we'll always be saying that because it's natural human instinct. Everyone gets roped into the glitz and glamour of goals, assists, points, right? There's a reason why when you go to NHL.com backslash stats, the first categories that pop up are goals, assists, points, shots, you know, you got to dig a little bit deeper to see the takeaways and things of that nature that, you know, our good friend Jacob excels in. And there are individuals over the last couple of years, like I'm really happy. I think Frank Saravalli does a really nice job of giving Jacob credit where credit's due. There was an article, I believe it was either mid-season or early this season, where he said if there was an award for the best defensive defenseman, because it is kind of a bummer that the Norris Trophy takes offensive statistics so much into weight. Um, but Frank said that, you know, if there were an award for best defensive defenseman, Jacob Slavin could be a perennial winner. And I think we all feel that way. Um, we're going to keep saying he's underrated until until he's not, right? Like, until everyone gives him his credit. And we know that this fan base does. We know that those who cover the team on a regular basis are aware of how good he is. And um, maybe that's just what we have to have to take the prize in right now. There was always going to be naysayers. And as the Hurricanes and the Panthers prepare to take take each other on in the Eastern Conference Finals, there's people that are saying this is the worst thing that could ever happen to the National Hockey League since the WHA. Like, it's just a travesty. You might as well fold up shop now. Am I absolutely wrong to think this is actually great for the game to have two non-traditional markets in the Eastern Conference Finals? Both of them have played incredibly. Am I am I just dumb? Is this the Southern hockey fan in me? No, I think there are unfortunately, Colin, always going to be people who are, I don't like the phrase, set in their ways and believing in certain things they believe and certain people like to gatekeep certain things and not want to see others succeed and succeed, excuse me. And I think we're starting to see some of that uh, ahead of this series. Um I don't know. It is what it is, man. You know, like I try and tune them out as best as I can because at the end of the day, I know that there's the one popular Andrew Raycroft tweet circulating around and it's like, well, you know, man, if you feel that way, fine. Cool. Don't watch. Don't enjoy. I know a lot of people will. And that's all that matters. Can you give the listeners any advice on how to just ignore this stuff? Because as someone who works for the team, and I know you're not going to say it, but you see a lot of just random hate. It would be like, why is it a Tuesday? And you were just, you reported the lines, for example. So how do you try your best to ignore that? And how can fans try to do the same? It's hard. I think the ultimate phrase is just control what you can control, right? There are always going to be people upset about something. And I, to an extent, we're all guilty of it. Um, we all wake up on the wrong side of the bed some days and we're all human. Um, you know, something that I try and work on is if I see something I don't like, I'm trying to take a minute to digest it, process it, and then reach how I feel about it. Whether that works or not, I don't know. Sometimes myself, I get caught up in things I shouldn't. But, you know, hey, there are way more good things than bad things going on right now. We can tell you that. And we, I know that the large consensus of fans are – very grateful that it is May 16th and this team is still playing meaningful games. And I think we all know that that's a wonderful thing. So looking forward to the Panthers then, what aspect of Carolina's game do you think they're going to have to change? Because honestly, me looking at it, the Panthers are kind of the best of both worlds of both of the teams Carolina's already eliminated. They're really good defensively. 
and they can score stupid greasy goals on you just because they want to. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. And I think the element that stands out that they hold an area in is smart physicality is how I'll say it. I think greasy goals is a really good example. We saw physicality in the series against the New York Islanders, and I think that kind of bit them in the backside on a couple occasions with some of the penalties they took. What Carolina's going to have to be is disciplined and not letting themselves get into the post-whistle scrums and things of that nature. And we really don't see a ton of that from this team, but Florida's exceptional at it. I mean, they've got some guys that I love watching them play, I have to be honest. Matthew Kachuk, Radko Gudis, like, those guys can mix it up with the best of them. So you just have to be mindful of who's on the ice when. Again, I don't know how much changes, but you can't let them bait you into suboptimal situations, right? You know, you don't want to let somebody under your skin. All of a sudden, you get that last two-minute rough. They're going to the power play because you and I both know they have the tools to score on the man advantage. So um, staying disciplined is going to be a very important task this series. Wait, are you saying that our 90% penalty kill might just be a little bit overinflated? No, 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 no. By no means. Well, that is that is grade-A hurricane talking. <laughs> No, no, no. I think it's going to be very, like we were saying earlier, special teams, when it's not a factor in one series, it almost always is in the next. So I'm really expecting that to be big here. Do you think that this win, uh, this potential win, could mean more for Rod Brindamore because it's against his former coach, his longtime former coach for you? Or am I just playing stupid emotions as a fan? No, no, I think there's a lot of a lot of weight in this series, especially the the Stahl brothers storyline. And then, you know, Rod now coaching against a guy who he used to play for. And he talked yesterday a little bit about how Mo was the one that brought him into the coaching world. And, you know, Rod had a really good soundbite yesterday. He talked about how after seeing how Mo coached, he's like, oh, I'll never coach. I'll never do it that way. He just like, you know, he's like he operated at such a high level. So I don't think he'll want to. And he used to talk about it when he was first going against him as a head coach. But I'm sure to an extent this is mildly surreal for Rod. Um, how could it not be? Anytime you you know, essentially go up against your mentor in something of this magnitude. This is huge, um, especially when a guy who you've learned that much from. So very eager for that. I know in both days already leading into the series, Rod's fielded questions about it. And what did he say? He said, I don't want to make this a love fest because I know he's not either. But you can tell the respect and the admirations there. So uh, you're absolutely right. It's a wonderful storyline going into the series. The stall storyline as well. Is going to be absolutely amazing. Not saying that it's going to be, but it's totally possible. This is Eric and Mark last year. They're yeah. facing off against the Carolina Hurricanes, which has been the team. It's the NHL team of their family. I know Mark's never played here, but his other three brothers did. Yeah. Two of his brothers have been captain. Like this is their family's team, and there's a not zero percent chance that we'll be the ones to eliminate them, or they could end their career winning a cup going through Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Jordan talked a little bit about it on Saturday. And one thing that um, I give Jordan a ton of credit for, and I just haven't had the ability to hear Eric and Mark speak on the same questions, but Jordan is not shy in saying, listen, like we all know we're on the back nines of our careers. Like this is a contract year for Jordan Stahl too. So 
the future is very much so up in the air for all three of them. So to have this ability, and Jordan said it's playoff hockey at the end of the day. Someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. Fortunately, Jordan and Eric had it happen in 2009. Um, Jordan was on the, the winning half of that series, and he said, hey, I'm hoping to do it again. Um, this time he's going to have to go through two of his brothers to get there. So obviously I'm hoping that Jordan is on the winning end of the series too, but uh, really special things going on in the series. That much is for sure. Just, just real quickly, don't let Jordan trick you into this could be a final year. I, I bit last year after his press conference. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be his last year. He's finishing with a bang. Talked all about it in the off season. It was like one day in a training camp. He's like, I'm not retiring. That's so stupid. No, I'll be back. So I'm just, Putting that out there. I'm hopeful, but hey, it, it's a crazy world we live in, right? I mean, anything is possible. And that's right. It's all retiring next year. I agree. Glad we could agree on that. I know you don't make predictions. It's like your mm-hmm. one thing. That's why you're refusing to say Jordan Stahl will be back next year because you hate fun. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping you can do one thing for me. Okay. Over or under on how many times fans inside PNC Arena will chant refuse up for the entirety of the Eastern Conference Finals. Could go seven games, could be as little as four games. What could happen here? The first number that comes to mind for me is six and a half. That's that's where I'll set it at. Um, just trying where to does think. the half come in, Walt? Well, you got to have the half for over-under, right? Fair enough. You know what? Okay. I apologize. Yeah. You were being a pro about it, and I was just amateur. I apologize. <laughs> um, hopefully, obviously, I hope that it's not the case. I wouldn't mind seeing a series like the last one against New Jersey where special teams again I feel like a broken record now I've said this three times they weren't a massive factor um we know that those chants will come out if special teams do become a factor and if the fan base doesn't agree with certain calls but um and you know the emotion it's all ramped up this time of year the crowd gets it these are massive games so um hopefully not i don't know who's going to keep an official tally on how many there will be so i'm going to count on you to get back to me on that and how i do with my six and a half but um yeah there there's my number for you well i really hope this isn't a contract year for you because it's gonna be really bad if this what the job hinges on <laughs> if for some reason you don't already follow walt on twitter at walt Ruff, or just check him out every single day for some reason sometimes multiple times a day on hurricanes.com I don't know if they literally have you change her radiator within the arena. I don't know what it is, but Walt never stops. And I legitimately believe he has more bylines each season than everyone else could in chilled as a whole. Well, thank you, Colin. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And that's, uh, that's a huge compliment. Obviously, I do try and pride myself on work ethic. Um, it's something that... I don't know, not to get too sentimental here, but I feel like this is, you know, my calling when I get out of bed every day. I want to help this fan base feel more informed and educated on what's going on. If there's any questions with the fan base, um, I want to be a resource for them to feel like they can have them answered. So um, I appreciate your your high praise. Thank you for all you do for, you know, the team and the fan base as well. And um, here's to a successful Eastern Conference final. You just compared an apple to like, an old Jolly Rancher. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't throw me in there. <laughs> well, there you have it. That was my conversation with Walt Ruff. Before we end the show, I want to go straight downstairs really quick and play the clips Walt was talking about with Stahl and Roddy the Brindamore. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Golly, uh, I, I just, the, the one thing I remember when I became, I actually was part of his staff too, before he brought me into coaching. Um, you know, and I just remember watching him do it going, I'll never be a coach because I, I'm not, he, he's, you know, he's up here in, in the way he thinks. And, and you know, I was like, oh man, if it has to be like that, then I'm, I'm probably not gonna be able to do it. But obviously I found a different way to kind of do it. But he, he's, there's a reason he's lasted as long as he has. I mean, I don't know, I think he's gotta be the longest good guy out there because he's been around forever. And, um, clearly he's, uh, you know, he's one of the best. What was he like to play for? I, I mean, again, I think he was—he always knew the right things to say, and he just always seemed to. I, what, I, what I marveled about it was, you know, coaching is—you're saying the same things every night, but you got to find a different way to say it. And he was really good at that, you know. Um, and I think he's just from afar watching. I know he's—I think he's adapted to the game really well, and um, you know, uh, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't want to be sitting here. Throwing a love fest out here, I gotta try to beat him. You know, he he coached me a long time. You know, I think I helped get him fired because <laughs> I was part of the team that got him fired and got him hired because you know, uh, obviously being a part of it his second time around. So, you know, he's got a, a long history here. But I mean, I, I know you guys are looking for stories on it. I mean, I know he doesn't care about that right now. And to be honest with you, I don't really either. It's trying to focus on, you know, getting our teamers ready. As <laughs> best case scenario, obviously, uh, if we're going to meet each other in playoffs, it might as well be in the, in the, in the finals at the same conference. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for the family. We're obviously uh, all excited about uh, the big series, and um, it's, all, uh, it's all good stuff. Dad and mom are, are, are very excited, but also very wary as well. And um, I think uh, they're going to be hiding from you guys uh, in, the, in their basement uh, until uh, the series is done. As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. Special thanks for Walter Webb for stopping by. Follow the show, share it with a friend, or just copy the new clipboard. It's all helpful. Check out the Patreon if you have $5 pouring a hole in your pocket. I will be back on Wednesday for the actual Eastern Conference Finals preview show. There will be pieces on the Home Ice Advantage blog before then. But until the start of the Eastern Conference Finals... Go Kings!